Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's uh, a pleasure. It's all mine. Now, I always like to ask the same question at the start of my podcast, which is, if I met you at a party and we were chatting and I said, Michael, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? Uh, depends on whether I'm feeling silly or whether I'm intoxicated or whatever. <laughs> um, but essentially, I like to play with people's brains. Um, I just like to help people perform. That's really what I do. Um, I think that every person that, that's sort of aware enough uh, or, or aware has this burning desire to be better. And ever since I was a young kid, all I wanted to be was better. And, you know, I didn't fit in really well at school. Um, I was put into special classes and, you know, I just felt like I was going to get nowhere in life by following the school system. And, you know, I got expelled and there was a whole bunch of other stuff that went on. But there was this burning desire inside of me that knew I could be better. I just didn't know what it was. And I didn't have clarity around who I was as a person. Um, but, yeah, I just love helping people perform. Like, just that's, that's been my journey is trying to figure out how I can perform better. And because of that, I've uncovered a lot of stuff that most people, you know, I've never heard or never seen or never even thought about. And I just love tapping into that potential that people have inside of themselves to be better. And so for, when you say that word, like perform, and so most of our audience are business owners, entrepreneurs, um, people growing businesses. What does that mean for a, when you talk about being able to perform or be better as a business owner? Because obviously there's a whole aspect of, you know, growing your business, but this is like personal performance, which then affects your business, right? What are some of the, what are some of the things that you see that maybe business owners don't do that hinder their performance? Or and and what does actually an increase in performance mean for them on, on like a personal level? Yeah, great question. Um, now we're going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> look, I, I look at it this way. If you study a little bit of neuroscience, you start to realize that the way that our brain filters information is what we call our reality. Now, you can walk down the street and right now with the economic environment, you can walk down the street and you see a couple of shops and, you know, they've got police signs on there. And you can look at those shops and go, Wow, the the economy is bad at the moment. Businesses are going out of out of business. Uh, you know, it's hard times. There's a lot of stuff on the news that's just saying, you know, a lot of people are really struggling. Government are pulling away JobKeeper. It's just a bad time economically. But then you can be the you can be walking next to that same person and see those shop fronts and go, wow, there's an opportunity. Okay, right now rents are cheaper. There's more people who are who are looking for certain services. And there's certain industries that are booming right now. Uh, and there's certain industries that are definitely getting ready to boom right now. And you can be one of those people who look at the exact same situation and see the opportunity that's there. Now, as a young kid, that's what I was always inquisitive about. Like, why is it that someone at school can be almost seen as being the dumb kid, but they're actually really smart? Like, they're awesome at social connection. Now, that person's going to go somewhere. And you've seen this in the entrepreneurial space, I'm sure where there's someone who is not good at school and probably can't even spell their name properly, yet at the same time, they run a super massively successful business. And you go, how do they do that? Well, that's been the thing that I, I guess I've been really inquisitive about. But some of the things that I've seen in business is the majority of our society, I, I feel, aren't really inspired or aren't really driven that well. And I think maybe that's part of the school system as well that reinforces failure as a bad thing. Um, I'm not really too sure. But what I do know is that a lot of people in our society are fairly lazy. You know, they want weekends off to just sit around and drink beer and watch sport, which isn't really productive. It's not It's not helping them achieve anything. It's just helping them to pass time. You know, most people just want more holidays, 
if they got given a million bucks, they'd probably blow it all on buying a bigger house, a better car, maybe a couple of holidays. And they're not, it's not really helping them to live a better life, not long-term anyway. It's just short-term immediate gratification. But when I meet a lot of business owners, business owners are driven people. So in startup phase, which you're aware of as well, startup phase is you just run on adrenaline. Your goal is to get the next dollar in the door so that then you can spend that dollar and make $4. And then you're driven to use that $4 productively to make eight bucks. And that's how you grow your business. And so you're used to jumping around, bouncing around. You don't really have a lot of time to plan and to prep because if you do, unless you've got a lot of money behind you, you go bankrupt. And normally those who have a lot of money behind them anyway, learn pretty quickly that no matter how good your plan is, especially in startup phase, you've got to make a lot of mistakes. And when you've got a lot of money, you make a lot of mistakes that cost a lot of money. When you're a startup and you've got no money, those mistakes don't really cost you a lot of money because you don't have a lot of money to blow. They seem like a lot of money, but they're not. So going through startup, a lot of business owners develop this like crazy amount of drive, crazy amount of energy, super high level enthusiasm. But the problem is at that level, they start burning out. And so they work really, really hard, burn out, work really, really hard, burn out, work really, really hard, burn out. And then when they burn out, they sit on the couch. So we're in startup phase. You train yourself to hate yourself for resting. So you lie on the couch and your brain goes, look how much shit you got to do. Get up, motherfucker. Come on, come on, come on. Don't be lazy. And so you sit there and your brain's winding up and going flat out and you're trying to rest. And because of that, you don't actually rest. You might be physically resting your body, your physical body's resting, but your brain's going flat out. Now, if you study a little bit of neuroscience, a little bit of biology, you'll start to see that there's a pattern that when we think certain ways, it changes our neurochemistry and it changes our hormone levels. And I'll just give you a quick example. If I threw a snake in the room with you right now, I don't know whether you like snakes or you're not a huge fan of snakes. Um, but if I, for most people, if I throw a snake in the room and you haven't been brought up around snakes, you see that and your brain goes, shit, that's a snake. That thought automatically then triggers a chemical change in the body, releases things like adrenaline and cortisol and insulin, which are the stress hormones, which then alter a whole bunch of other hormones so that you can get ready to run or fight whatever it is. So that's our flight or fight response. It's the thought process that changes that chemistry. That chemistry makes us feel a certain way. So our emotions are driven from the thoughts that we have. But after a while, it can create a feedback loop where it almost seems like our emotions drive our thinking. But originally, it's our thinking that drives our emotions and our perception. So as a, as a startup business owner, you get used to just running on adrenaline all the time. And it's almost like a survival mechanism that if I don't make the next dollar, then well, I'm going to go bankrupt or I'm going to lose my house or I'm going to lose my car or I'm not going to get anywhere, I'm going to be that piece of shit the kid told me at school that I'd never get anywhere, and now I'm going to feel like that again, or you know, the teacher at school said I'd never get anywhere in life. And so it brings up all those things, which then keeps you just running on adrenaline, those stress hormones, and that becomes addictive. If you study addiction, you realize that addiction isn't really about the product that we put inside of ourselves or, or the, the product that we consume, whether it be porn or, or food or whatever it is. It's actually about the way that it makes us feel. And it's that, that chemical response in the body. You know, certain drugs can change our chemistry, but certain thoughts change our chemistry also. So a lot of business owners, they, they in startup stage, they just get so used to running on adrenaline that they get addicted to it. And it becomes an addiction. It's a habit. It's a behavior that's happened so many times. And not only does it alter the way that their brain functions, it alters their cellular biology where their cells start to crave it now. And so... At startup, the business owner tries to rest, but they run on burnout and they get like 1% battery life in their brain again, and then they go hard again, and then they burn that out, and then they go to 5% battery life, and then they burn out again. 
Now that happens for a long period of time. Now that doesn't help you to think effectively. It just helps you to survive. But as you start to scale, there's this massive stage that happens in almost all business owners that I have to deal with. And sometimes some business owners, you know, they might be at 100 million. Some of them might be at 1 million. Some of them might be at a couple of hundred thousand. But normally as they start to scale and they bring on other team members, if they're the leader in the business, they have to learn how to think more effectively. Now, you can't think effectively when you're running on adrenaline. It changes the the way that your brain works. So the limbic system, which is is the emotional system in the brain, is a more primitive part of the brain. If we want to think clearly, think effectively, future plan, you need to use a part of the brain uh, or brain structures that are called the executive center, which um, allow us to think more clearly. Um, That part of the brain as well helps us to sort of not suppress our emotions, but tends to regulate our emotions a lot more as well. So we can sort of think through problems more effectively without getting all emotional about them. Um, And that's what helps a business to scale. So what I find is that a lot of business owners that go from startup and work really, really hard to bust through startup, which is a massive accomplishment because the majority of business owners will never get there, okay, statistically. But once you start to scale and you start bringing on staff and all of that stuff, you need to start to slow down to think more effectively, to plan more, to give concise directions. Now, the startup business owner is still inside of that person going, shit, we've got to go fast. We've got to get this done. We've got to get that done. Come on. Got to rush. Got to rush. What about this problem? What about that problem? And you start trying to solve every little problem, but at the same time, your staff then become like those little spinning tops. I don't know if you've seen the spinning tops that you pull. And the one of them in the like one of them on the table is fine because it just sort of spins around until it runs out of energy, which is the startup business owner. But once you start putting four or five on the table, they all start to hit each other and spin off in all different directions. And that's what a, a scaling business owner can do when they're still running on adrenaline, running on stress. They haven't allowed that part of the brain to to become more evolved or or to um to it's called myelination um in neuroscience to myelinate effectively where they can think clearly. But at the same time, depending on what size scale you're at, depends on how much of the adrenaline you need versus how much of the planning you need. You can't just go from startup to being reactive to everything to straight into you know large scale um, or, or a, a large level scale where you're now sitting in meetings, thinking through things, planning things out for the next year, it's you've got to do 90% reaction, 10% planning. And then slowly over time, the goal is to become less reactive and more planning. And over time, you adjust those, um, you know, the, the way that you need to think. What I find is that most business owners really struggle through those stages because that, that a lot of fear kicks in. You know, if, I don't, if I'm not thrashing and rushing and pushing hard all the time, then my business is going to turn to shit. Because that's what would have happened in startup, and that's what they've trained themselves to think and do. So what I find is that the majority of business owners will normally collapse their business in startup stage. Like they'll get, they'll do really well, they make good money, but once they start bringing on staff, they'll grow and then they'll collapse it back down to down uh, and downsize because that's the level that they can manage. Then they'll grow again and then collapse back down and downsize. And so you watch people's businesses grow, contract, grow, contract, grow, contract, and they never bust through it. And that's normally just based on their own psychology. So that's probably the biggest challenge that I find with business owners. And also when I work with them, something that I've consistently found is that when you actually give them the breakthrough that they need by helping them to plan more effectively and to balance out some of the emotional stuff that's going on, the mental stuff, when you do that, they'll normally have an identity crisis. The same as a footballer or someone who leaves a sport and then they go on, they don't know what they're going to do with their life. They don't know how to respond. They don't know how to react. They don't really know what's happening anymore because they're used to being a certain identity in a certain way. Um, and so I find that that can last sometimes for anywhere between two weeks 
and eight weeks to three months, depending on whether they work with someone like me or whether they just go through it on their own. A lot of businesses, uh, a lot of business owners go through an identity crisis, don't know what it is, freak out, and then they create a whole bunch of self-sabotage patterns that then drive them back to the way that they used to think. And that'll be a glass ceiling that they'll expand to, then contract back down to the level that they can manage again, that they feel comfortable with. They'll grow and then back down to level. Um, but really, business growth is is about in the majority of businesses, it's about human behavior growth. You know, if you don't if you don't grow as a leader, then your team doesn't grow, and if your team doesn't grow, then the business doesn't grow. And essentially, the majority of business is still human behavior. You know, marketing is human behavior, sales is human behavior. Um, you know, the mission of the business is human behavior. The majority of our products and services serve a, a need or a problem, which again is human behavior. It's just most business owners don't think about it like that. They think about it as in numbers and um, you know, numbers and just how you use people, but not really that it's a human behavior problem that, that they've got in their business or human behavior problems. I think you pretty much hit that down on the head. Probably a lot of people there going, mm, yeah, mm, I felt that I fit that. Now, you mentioned that obviously, like to be able to transition, you need to have some sort of breakthrough coming there. And obviously, you know, the easy answer is like, just go and work with you, right? And get, <laughs> and get that sorted out. But I, mean, I like, don't have time to work with every business owner. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but so, but for for if if people are going okay, cool. Maybe they've noticed that pattern and they do hit those things. How does that breakthrough come about? Because you mentioned obviously you got to make that transition from doing everything and being and having that crazy crazy mofo inside of you that's like I've got to do everything and being super reactive to planning. Like, how does that breakthrough occur? Um, for example, if you know if they uh, if they can't go out there and work with someone such as yourself to to get that um, and help someone elicit that as well. Uh, it's hard. It's like me saying to you, I guess, how do I how do I run my social media marketing, which I've I've asked you before as well. Um, but there's certain things, right? Is that we've got, you know, in our lives we have our own value system, we have our own purpose, and depending on how your brain's wired, depends on really what you're trying to achieve. Now, what I found, and this happened to me, where you know, growing up, I was put into special classes and told that I was dyslexic, and you know, had learning difficulties, which is pretty obvious based on the amount of books behind me and things like that. But that's what I was labelled as. Um, and, and by the way, for anyone listening, I always say this to people, labels are there to understand, they are never there to define. Okay, so never let labels define you as a person because they're just a label and, and they're only used so that others can understand what you're going through and, and how you operate, but they, they don't really mean anything to you um, unless you define yourself by those things. But um, what I found was I, I got to a point in my life where I realized that I wasn't living up to my own expectations. So I caught up with a friend of mine that I grew up with yesterday and, um, you know, unfortunately he got caught up in a lot of bad things and, and ended up doing jail time. And, um, you know, there was a whole bunch of things that went on. He, he's pretty much lost everything, but I caught up with him yesterday for a good chat. Cause he's always been a good, a good guy. Um, and, um, we were just having a chat and he said, what made you go in a different direction than the rest of like our friendship circle? And what it was, was one of my best mates, three-year-old niece was killed in a car accident and, I just remember thinking, how can life just be taken away just like that? Like we're here one day and we're gone the next and, and that's it. It's done. And I never wanted to be that person who looked back on my life and went, you know, what? I could have or I should have or because it, at that point, it doesn't matter anymore. You didn't. So that scared the shit out of me so much that I, I realized that I wasn't doing what I love. And this is getting to the point of that question, too, by the way. Um, but I, I started studying a lot of personal development and realizing that the gap was in my own mindset. In fact, I started studying money first. I wanted to make more money because I thought that money was going to solve my problems and money would make me happy. And um, at the time, I was a diesel mechanic. And um, the only place that ever made me happy was going to the gym because I felt like I was doing something for me and that I felt like it was something that made me feel better about myself. 
And um, I, I just kept, you know, studying and learning and studying and learning. And I started doing a lot of personal development, a lot of self-development and, and reading a lot of books as well. And what I found a lot of the time was that I, there was there was a lot of stuff on there telling you, you know, how to how to create your perfect week or um, how, what the best morning routine was or how to be positive all the time or how to be motivated all the time. And what I found was that the more that I tried to do it, the more inner conflict I had. And I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't understand why I would get motivated for a while. And then I'm lying back on the couch again going, you piece of shit, get up, go do something. Like, what, what are you doing? You don't have time to rest. Anyone who watches TV is an idiot. So therefore, you're an idiot because you're watching TV. And I had all these conflicting, crazy thoughts inside my head. I couldn't rest, you know, and I'd just beat myself up the majority of the time. And so one day I had this big mental breakdown. And um, this was after spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on personal development and studying. And, um, and, and by the way, I was, uh, you know, at that time I had my breakdown. I was a personal trainer who was working in a medical center as well. I'd been in that industry for probably about nine years. Um, and I'd won awards as a personal trainer, but still knew that I wanted to be so much more and I wanted to help people more. So I was working in a medical center doing a lot of physical rehabilitation. And so one day I grabbed all my shit and I went to a cafe and I sat there and I thought, how do I have all these tools that I've studied, but still feel like I'm going through these vicious cycles, these ruts. I still, I'm still feeling depressed, even though on social media, I'm telling everyone how fucking happy I am all the time and how positive I am. And that I'm this really positive person that's motivated all the time. Yet inside, I still felt like shit and I was still beating myself up and felt like I wasn't achieving anything and I wasn't getting anywhere in life. And what I did was I started mapping out my life. And after that, that probably changed my life forever. That moment or that, that three or four days that I mapped out my whole life changed my life forever. And at the time, I was working with a guy who at the time, he was about 35 and he, was, uh, he had about $70 million of property developments um, at that time. Anyway, he said to me, you've changed. What have you done? And I showed him and he said, look, can you go like do it all with me? What you've done um, to help me to, to get clear on what I really want. And so I helped him. Uh, that was about six years ago now. Now he's got a billion dollars of property developments. Okay? So he's, he's doing extremely well and he's you know, just, turned, uh, just over the age of 40. Um, and then he started telling his mates. So I started getting more and more clients. And what I realized was that there's this massive gap that people have in life. And what, I, what that gap is, is that if you think about it, the majority of people don't have a financial plan. What are the chances that most people are going to even get close or remotely close to achieving anything financially without some sort of a financial plan, without financial rules, or with some sort of financial map? It's almost zero. Now, most people understand that and they go, well, that makes sense. But then the majority of people want good health as well. Yet, how many people follow some sort of an exercise program or some sort of a nutrition plan? You don't have to stick to it like dead. Like I'm not for you know bodybuilding diets or anything like that. But you've got to know how to eat effectively for your body type and so on if you want to have great health and feel energetic. And in fact, I had chronic fatigue at 21. The doctor said you'll never get over it. And really cleaning up my diet and looking after my health has changed my life. You know, I'll outperform most people. Um, but then what I realized is that the majority of people have no no idea who they are as a person. So what's the point of having a financial plan if you have no fucking idea what you're trying to do in your own life? Do you know how many business owners I meet that have made millions of dollars and want to kill themselves because they still have no idea of why they're making money? Bodybuilders who have the most amazing bodies on the planet from sports models. You know, I've worked with some of the world's top sports models, bodybuilders, Mr. World, all of those sort of people. Do you know how many of those come to me as well because they're suicidal or have drug addictions or things like that because they've got these amazing bodies. They're some of the most beautiful sculptured bodies on the planet, yet they still hate themselves because they have no idea what they're trying to do in life. 
And what I realized is that everyone goes to school, we, got told, we get told what we should be. We never get told how to actually be ourselves. And so that's, I think, been the biggest breakthrough that until you figure out who you want to be in life, no matter what you do, you're going to have gaps. And there's probably going to be times where, and in fact, it's probably going to be quite frequent, where you make money and then blow money in order to buy your happiness back. That doesn't work because now you're broke again or now you're struggling financially. So now you work your ass off again to try and you know make more money. Then when you get more money, you'll just blow it all again and you'll be back in burnout. You'll be stressed. You'll be hating yourself because you won't understand how people get ahead financially and you can't. So what I find is that the first thing that really needs to happen is that you need to get clear on your life. Whether you're a business owner, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether, you're, whether you want to be a, a, you know, a health professional or whatever, you need to get clear on your life. Until you do that, you're essentially probably living someone else's map. You know, I got, my parents told me what I should be. When I, when I left as a diesel mechanic, my mum burst into tears and she said to me, Michael, if you just stick at it for 10 years, you'll be set for life. This was in the mining boom in South Australia back like, you know, early 2000s. And I said, mum, if I keep working the mines, I'll be dead. Okay, because it wasn't what I wanted to do. And then when I became a personal trainer, she said, you're crazy, there's no money in it. But then I was making like $260,000, $270,000 as a personal trainer. And then my mum was so proud because I got featured in magazines and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and the same thing now, when I left that industry to do this, my mum my said, you're crazy, just stick at it. You know, buy a house, get married, have kids, all that sort of stuff. I did this and my mum said, you're mental. No one, no one needs a mindset coach. Now I've got clients who are billionaires and on the rich list and, and professional athletes. And she sees articles that come out about me. And she goes, that's my son. And she's so proud. But most people project what they think works for them on life onto other people, including their kids, including teachers, including your friends. And because of that, the majority of people in society have no idea who they are. And if you ask them, they'll say, well, I know who I am. You go, well, who are you? And they don't really know. They just hope that one day they'll figure it out. So I would suggest that to any person, you need to get clear on your, your values your values hierarchy. And by the way, values aren't what most people are taught. Psychology teaches us that values are things like kindness and honor and respect. They're not values. Every human being on the planet has those same values, but it's filtered through our real value system. So for me, my highest value is learning and studying and teaching. Okay. So that's the thing that drives me. The, and, and that's specifically in human behavior. Okay. That's what I love to do. If I have a choice to do anything, it's that. And then secondly, I love to exercise and train and look after myself. It's my second highest value. If I have a choice after I've learned enough, I want to go and train exercise. Now, for some people, it's being a parent. For some people, it's building a, a business. You really have to find out what they are because your self-sabotage patterns and your procrastinations are directly proportional to the clarity of your, the clarity of your value system. So the clearer you are with your values and your values hierarchy will be the clarity that you can operate at without having self-sabotage patterns. If you're unclear and you prioritize things of lower values over things of higher values, then you'll self-sabotage. You'll procrastinate, you'll hesitate, you'll get frustrated with yourself, you get angry, you get pissed off, and your emotional volatilities will start to drive you instead of your clarity. So you need to get clear on your values, and then from there, you need to create a very clearly defined purpose in life. So mine is just to help people perform. That's it. I just want to help people perform better. That's it. And when I look at people and they talk to me, I don't even listen to their stories. All I'm listening for is, what's the problem? Where do you want to be? And then how do I help you get there? That's how my brain operates. And it has done ever since I was a little kid. Once I got clear on that stuff, I went, no shit, I've been thinking like that since I was a kid. And even now I have people come up to me and they go, oh, you're probably going to think I'm a really bad person because of this stuff that I've done. And I go, I don't give a shit what you've done. I've probably done worse stuff than what you've done. So who am I to judge? What I care about is where do you want to get to and let me help? That's it. 
And what are the problems getting in the way? So you need to have a clearly defined purpose and then you need a mission because that becomes your future driver. If you don't have a good, clear mission defined in your own personal life based on your own values and your purpose, then what will happen is you become driven by goals and goals aren't fulfilling. I don't know about you, but if you've ever worked hard and you struggle for so long, you push yourself mentally and you're burnt out and you're tired and you're frustrated, you keep pushing, you keep pushing, you get it and you're like, woo, what's next? So you've just done six weeks of like going, uh, six months of going through hell to celebrate for what, like two days, three days? It's unfulfilling. Without that mission, you just become goal-driven if you're driven in the first place. If you're not goal-driven and you're not mission-driven, you're probably one of those people who are just waiting for retirement. And that's not, not normally business owners anyway, not smart ones. They're normally driven by something more. So that becomes the, your, your real life map. And then there's other things as well that you need to learn. You've got to learn how to balance your emotions and balance your mental state. Because there's a lot of stuff on positive thinking. But if you have a look, there's a correlation between positive thinking and this idea of being happy all the time and the idea of being motivated all the time and depression and suicide rates. And I was going to write a post last night, which I didn't. But the question really was, is positive thinking because of the negative thinking and the suicide and the depression? Or is depression and suicide the byproduct of the positive thinking, trying to be happy and trying to be motivated all the time movement? I'm not really too sure. But what I do know is the more that I think I should be motivated all the time, the more shit I feel about myself when I'm not. The more I try to be positive all the time, the more I'm aware of all the negative crap going on in my head. When there's actually a purpose for both. Okay, the best business owners are optimistic and pessimistic. They're optimistic enough to realize that life can be better, but at the same time, pessimistic enough to realize that there's going to be a lot of shit that goes wrong. Optimistic enough to realize that they have the skill set to get over those obstacles and pessimistic enough to realize that if you plan for the worst and look at the best, you'll probably get there. Okay, so I think that's, that's so important what you just said there as well. And I, I think for most people, as you mentioned, because... Like if you are if you are one hundred percent positive thinking all the time, you don't like that's you're not positive thinking. That's just then just becomes a normality and and of of thinking if you are one hundred percent that all the time. So you kind of need to have some of those polar opposites as or whatever you want to call them. The differences because otherwise you can't tell. And it's like cool if you if you always had lots of money, for example, you wouldn't know what it was like to have no money and that's why i think sometimes you see people when they when they grow and then they either have no money when they're younger can either push them to try and be like cool they want to have it or they that's all they ever know and they're like well that's how i should always be and then i will always have no money so it's yep. all, it's it's super interesting on that part and i think for everyone this thing it's so important to have that map and plan and most people start with opposite to what you said which is like they go oh cool um you know i'm, I'm a business owner so i need to go and put together all my financial plans and projections and they go and do that but they don't know why they, they need to do that or why or what that's going to bring them as a byproduct. So then they always struggle to kind of hit it because they're like, well, someone told me I should have a million dollar business, so I'll go and do that. Or maybe they get close to it. And then as you said, they get it and then they're like, oh, cool. Now now what happens? Yeah. So well, I mean, this as well. Normally, really negative people are unstable if we label them as negative because really negative is a term used in, I guess you could say electronics or physics or whatever. But when you look at that, if you study any type of physics or engineering or whatever it is, a negative charge always attracts a positive charge in order to create neutrality or stabilization. The same thing happens with the outer valencies in chemistry is that they're trying to go to their most stable form. And what I've been able to find is that everything in nature is trying to go to a stable form. That doesn't mean that it's stable. It just means that it's trying to get to its most stable form. 
And I think that the human brain is trying to create a stable form, but it's our perceptions of what's good and bad and right and wrong that create our instabilities in our own heads. Now, if you're trying to be negative, if you're negative all the time and you perceive that you're negative all the time, you can be a really unstable person. But also, if you're someone who is going for and trying to be positive all the time, you're a really unstable person. I don't know if you've ever been to, uh, you probably have a lot of personal development events where people are like, oh, I'm so happy all the time. And I'm like, ah! and you're like, holy shit, just like calm down a little bit. And they tend to react to things without thinking through things so that those people on either sides are unstable. The best business owners are normally fairly stable people, which means that they can sort of navigate their way between both. And I won't get into physics, but yeah, that's. So you need to have some tool to keep you stable, both mentally and emotionally. And our mental stability creates our emotional stability. If you're mentally volatile, you'll be emotionally volatile. Okay. Now this has been, I, I get debated a lot with this, but you know, a lot of the time there's a lot of sloppy research outside of this to say that we should be positive all the time. That's sloppy. Yeah, I, uh, I knew that this was going to be a podcast that runs long because I knew that uh, you oh. could open up and dive down any 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 uh, any rabbit hole that pops up. So uh, I love that. I reckon we probably have to do an, uh, another episode so that uh, we can dive down some more. But I always yeah. like to ask a question as we as we go towards the end of the uh, our time together as well, which is: Is there a question um, for our business owners out there listening? Is there a question that I should have asked you that I I haven't opened up? Oh. I don't know. It's a great question in itself because, uh, I mean, questions really drive our focus and, and the way that we think. And I think that most people actually aren't good at asking questions. I, I talk to a lot of business leaders and a lot of business teams, and the biggest issue that they have is that they just don't ask good questions to get the right answers that they need. Um, so it's a great, great question. Look, I think probably the, the best question that I get asked is, you know, if I had to give one piece of advice, what would that question be? And I'm going to answer my own question. But it's, it's really to be yourself. If you look at great philosophical texts and religions and so on, they've always spoke about this idea of knowing yourself and then being thyself. And I think in this day and age, it's so easy with social media and, you know, the schooling system and so on that we get put through where it can, it can get so easy to become distracted by everything that you're not. And then you try to make up those gaps between wanting to be everything, but at the same time, you lose yourself in that process. And the more you lose yourself in a process, the harder it is to try and navigate through life. So, you know, I think the best thing that people can do is really invest in yourself to figure out who you are, what you're here to do, and really build your own life map. It's been the greatest gift that I've ever been able to give people. Um, I, I, what I've found is that no matter no matter who I've worked with, and I've, I've worked with a whole bunch of different types of people from people with anxiety, depression, suicide, addiction, and all of that sort of stuff, right through as I mentioned to professional athletes and so on. Um, and what I've found is that if you keep focusing on the problem, you just get more of the same problem. So you don't really solve the problem. You know, I find that in society, a lot of people think, well, if we can talk about a problem, we can keep bringing it up and we can talk about it more and more and more and we can make awareness around this fucking problem that it will solve the problem and it doesn't. What I've found is that if you can give a person greater greater meaning in their life, they'll no, it'll normally create greater drive. And then when they have greater drive, they'll have a greater reason to overcome their problems. And what I've also, what I know is true in life, you just solve one problem, you create another problem. I think one of the greatest problems is that people think that they're going to fucking solve their problems and you never, ever will. It's just that you'll create another one. That's part of the law of entropy in physics. So why not enjoy the process of solving problems and why not have a reason or a meaning to do it, which comes down to really why we're here. Okay, For me, I, just, I, I, I want to be one of those people on the planet who help great people that are driven and want to achieve something in their life 
I want to help those people to find their own greatness and to consistently live up to those expectations through human behavior. That's why I'm here. And every day I deal with problems. In fact, I've been on staff meetings and stuff like that this morning and every day, just more and more problems. Okay. But I used to think that I'd get rid of them and you don't, you just create bigger problems. So I want bigger problems. I want bigger financial challenges. I want bigger, you know, personal, personal problems. I want bigger relationship problems because I uh, bigger health problems because I know that that's helping me to grow, but I want to be in control of them. I don't want to have that control me. Okay. Cause I always think all of our emotions are either we're in control of them or they're controlling us. So I would prefer to be in control of my emotions and my outcomes instead of letting those things control me. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's so, that's so true. And as you say, it's like uh, as your business grows and as you grow personally, all you do get is bigger problems. And the better you get at solving them, is you know that that's where the magic happens. And it's like, cool, you know, some one day you're worrying about how you feed your family. The next is like, cool, how do you take a country out of famine? It's a much bigger problem to solve. And if you got if you can put your boots, strap your boots up, and go through that, then hey, you know, like the learning that you'll get from that will be um, be phenomenal. Now. For anyone that's listening to this and go, cool, you know, I really want to find out more about what Michael's up to and, um, and, and what he's got going on. Where's the best place for them to, to connect or to go online and, and find out more about what you guys are up to? Uh, social media is normally a good place because I'm fairly active on Facebook. Um, so the Mojo Master Coach on Facebook. So that's the Mojo Master Coach. Uh, as you're aware, um, yeah, I got given the name. Uh, one of my mates called me the uh, Mojo Man and that led to being Mojo Master. And it was a better business name than being called Ultimate Achiever Corporation, which is what we're originally called. Um, I sounded too corporate in that. It wasn't me. I like to have a bit of fun and have, have a bit of a laugh. So, um, yeah, we changed it to Mojo Master and um, it's stuck. So, yeah, the Mojo Master Coach on Facebook. Um, also on Instagram, Mojo underscore Master. Uh, you can, uh, if you just Google the Mojo Master, uh, our website will come up and you can check out what we're doing in some of our events. Um, but look, for anyone who's listening to this who would love to you know have a chat or even know more or even if you listen to this podcast on facebook if you just shoot me a message on there on the mojo master page and just say hi and let them know that you know you listen to the the podcast i love connecting with people and i love hearing about you know different people's stories or things that they have going on so you know i please feel free to reach out personally send me a message i, I personally get back to them myself Amazing. And guys, wherever you're listening or watching this, we will have all those links in the show notes to scroll up or scroll down and you can check those out there. And if you know anyone that maybe have hit a couple of the hurdles that we've talked about today, or maybe they're going through a few things or they haven't, you know, they know that they're hitting that glass ceiling and they know that there's something more for themselves, please share this podcast episode with them so that they can actually, you know, hear someone else's viewpoint and maybe it's going to resonate with them. And then, of course, um, they've got the ability to reach out and connect as well. So, uh, please make sure you share this with anyone that you know that will get benefit from this. And Michael, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.